morning, everyone. So today we're reading from Romans, right after Acts and right before 1 Corinthians in the New Testament. Okay, we're going to do verses 5 through 11. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. If you were drifting off, this one's the capstone. Verse 11. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. The word of the Lord. By the way, I want to add to our welcome of new members uh, that Chris Stapley and Sean Snow uh, will also be baptized because that's how we enter a church if we profess faith and never been baptized and and they look forward to receiving that sacrament, but they will be baptized um, outside in an outside location and we need that to warm up before we do that. So in August, you know, we often have a baptism date when those who are renewing their baptismal vows or want to be baptized, we go do that and we will let you know about that. But we celebrate that in Sean and Chris's life as well and look forward to that. Well, during Lent in this sermon series called Give It Up, we've been searching the scriptures for things that we can give up. Because Lent is a season of giving things up. We give up things to renew our lives in Christ Jesus. We do it in spiritual preparation for this day, Resurrection Sunday. And so over these past six Sundays, we've looked at giving up fear, worry, anger, greed, um, a critical spirit, and arrogance. Well, Lent ended at midnight. It's Resurrection Sunday, but there's, uh, I think there's one more thing we can give up that will help us as followers of Jesus Christ, and there's no better day than today than to do it. How about if we give up death? Really? Didn't know we could do that, Phil. I, uh, I'm going to get my money back on those prepaid funeral arrangements that I made. Yeah, I know. The statistics are pretty clear and they're overwhelming. Uh, There's a one-to-one ratio when it comes to death. Everyone dies. Uh, The the U.S. funeral industry makes over $20 billion. It's it's over $20 billion of our economy, and 1.5 million people will 
go to their rest this year just in this nation alone. Uh, everyone dies. I'm not talking, though, about physical death. Paul makes this claim in the eighth chapter of that letter to the Romans. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Now, I know we have the hope of the resurrection when we physically die. There's a life for those who belong to Christ that we will put on once we take off this mortal body. But the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is not just for after this life. There is life for us now. You see, death is larger than just physical death. It is a power that infects souls. It infects minds and communities and the environment and the dynamics of this world. By giving up death, we take up life. The life that God is working in us through his spirit. I mean, when Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it to the full. Was he not talking about here and now? I don't think Jesus rising from the dead means we all just wait around until we get beyond this life to finally know love and joy and peace. The first witnesses to the resurrection and the first Christians didn't think so. You know, they didn't say, well, Christ is risen. Now let's just wait around to die and uh, we can know life then. The New Testament is a testimony that that is not the case. No, they believed that something had changed right then and there, and they started to live and to persevere and to serve and to worship and to tell the good news and spread the life of Christ wherever and however they could. Not until we physically die will we know life with God in completeness, in, in, our, in total completeness. It is a glory beyond imagining. Uh, but the vibrations of the resurrection are happening now. Something happened on that wild, confusing morning when that tomb was found empty. And Christians affirm that everything changed when Christ raised from the dead. Yes, the old regime of the world is still around, but a new regime is now here. For the power of life, the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead, even now lives in believers, and he is at work in this world. I think Paul might mean that the spirit of God is giving life to our mortal bodies even now. Or as he wrote in another one of his letters, we don't lose heart because even though our outward nature is wasting away inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. If the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is living in us, then isn't his life doing something through us and in us in the here and the now? His life is working through our mortal bodies even now? So we give up death. We give up everything that hurts and that kills and that demeans. 
We give up despair and we give up violence and we give up selfishness. We give up manipulation. We give up dishonesty. We give up the power plays. We give up all the things that we've been thinking about, talking about these past six weeks of Lent on the Sundays. Fear, worry, anger, greed, critical spirit, arrogance, because they all lead to death. That's all they bring to us is death. And as we give up death, we take up what makes for life. We take up faith and trust and forgiveness and generosity and compassion and humility. Where can we be a blessing? Where can we bring hope? Where can we lift somebody up? Where can we bring light? Where can we bring the presence of the Lord Jesus? I'm not talking about looking on the bright side or keeping an optimistic attitude. You all know me better than that. The life of Jesus does not deny the darkness and death. Rather, we look it straight in the face, but we refuse to bow. There is another power in charge now, and the spirit who raised Christ from death is living in us. Romans 8, the chapter where Paul makes this claim, begins like this. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. You see, human beings tried to keep the moral laws and failed. Christ Jesus came to keep the law for us, to fulfill the law for us, and set us free from its demands. He lifted what we couldn't even budge, and he moved it out of the way. Condemnation does not bring life. Those in Christ Jesus, those in Christ Jesus even though we fall short, we are not under condemnation. We are under the Spirit who gives life. Paul goes on to contrast a mind that is set on the flesh what it desires versus a mind that is set on what the Spirit of God desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Now, by flesh, Paul doesn't mean that our physical bodies, and he's not talking about uh, our desires and our needs that we have physically. He's not putting down physical pleasures or the beauty of this life. By setting the mind on the flesh, Paul is talking about a self-centered, self-oriented, self-absorbed life. The life of the flesh is a life that is curved in on itself. It leads to death now and later. A life by the Spirit, governed by the Spirit, leads to life and peace. And that applies to now. People whose lives are based on selfishness think about selfish things. But people whose lives are based on the spirit think about things related to the spirit. The attitude that comes from selfishness leads to death. The attitude that comes from the spirit leads to life and peace. And when the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is alive in us, we bring life and peace. When we give God full access to our minds, life and peace is what we get. And what flows from us to others is also life and peace. And then yet again, Paul states this, if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit 
gives life. Yes, our current bodies are weighted down by brokenness. And we struggle with temptation. And we are afflicted with pain in body, mind, and spirit. And we have bad days. And we have bad weeks. And these mortal bodies are someday going to give it up to death. Paul acknowledges this struggle. Ultimate freedom won't come until we're free from this world and enter life eternal with God. But still, Christ in us, through his spirit, is doing life, bringing life. Again and again, again and again, Paul writes about Christ and the spirit of God being in the believer. And if you belong to Christ, you've got something happening in you. His spirit dwells in you. It is the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. He is making us alive even now. And when Christ takes up residence in us through his spirit, we find ourselves alive to God, alert to spiritual realities, thirsty for God like a nomad in the desert. And we take that life and we bring it wherever we go. We share that life with others, with our words, with our acts of love, mercy, compassion. We infiltrate this death-plagued world with the life of Christ. Pamela Atkinson is uh, the wonderful advocate for homelessness in our community. Many of you know her. Uh, she's also a woman of deep and uh, strong faith in Jesus Christ. She was here with us a couple of years ago. We had the privilege of having her preach here. Pamela has started a weekly devotion downtown for homeless people. Uh, she asks pastors to come uh, down and, and lead these brief devotions at St. Vincent de Paul Soup Kitchen, where many of you go to serve in that ministry that we support, going to feed the homeless. And Pamela asked if I would do this, and, and I said yes, and so I began going downtown occasionally. We serve bagels, we serve juice to anybody who wants to come. It's free. You don't have to stay and listen to the devotion. You, you can have it, just take it. But if you want to stay, great. When I go down there, as I walk through the gate where there's a security guard into the courtyard that leads into the room where we have these devotion times, I walk through, I don't know, hundreds, 100, 150 people who are just lined up there, homeless. And I walk through groups of, of these people, and, and I go through a room where there's a television, and there's maybe 75 people sitting there watching this TV, maybe just trying to get out of the cold, just with something to do, a little shelter. And you see, as you walk through this, you just see, and you hear, and you sense the mental illness, and the drug use, and the trauma that has just devastated so many lives. And I come, just one person with no answers, no fixes for the massive forces of death that are working on those streets. I come with my little devotion of about 10 minutes. And we sit in this room, and there's maybe 15, maybe 20 on a good morning. There are a lot of other things that would be more comfortable, more desirable than face the pain and the ugliness that is going on there. And it would be easy to say, wow, what difference does this make? 
But you know what the miracle is? People come. And they engage. And they want to hear the scriptures. And they want to pray. And they talk. And they track with those words that I say that reminds them of God's love for them. And they want to talk about life. And after 20 minutes or so, I'm gone. All I want to do is allow the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, who is living in me, bring his life to a place where death is so prevalent. And I think there are hundreds of ways each one of us, ourselves, in difficult places, in difficult situations, bring his life. Places where death has staked its claim. And there are times when people are receiving life from us because the spirit of Christ is in us. Yeah, the ocean is so big and our boat is so small. We go in and we say, I'm just going to try and give some life. But greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. So much of what we do as people who follow the risen Lord is done in hope. I mean, the full life that God has for us is not here yet. But we believe that something changed on that first resurrection morning. And because of that conviction, we keep going down to St. Vincent de Paul's and to the food bank. And we raise funds and go to places like Squatters Hill Slum in the Crew Canyon, Yordani School in Tanzania. And we gather for worship every week. And we pray our prayers for people we know and for the church and for lives and for this world. And, and we keep living and we keep acting by faith. Because Christ is risen, we keep going out into the world in peace and in love, proclaiming the good news however and whenever we can. We live like this because we believe that the risen Son of God is working his life even now in ways way beyond our awareness and, comparison and, and, and comprehension. We give up death. We take up life. Have you heard that expression, Friday's here, but Sunday's coming? Friday's here, but Sunday's coming. It, it comes from an old African-American spiritual tradition, I think from an old sermon. When we say Friday's here, but Sunday's coming, we mean, well, things look dark today, just like they did on that Friday when Jesus hung on that cross. But Sunday, the day of resurrection, victory over death and life, it's coming. Well, I'm going to take that one step further. And remember, you heard it here first, okay? Nobody steal this. True. Friday's gone. Sunday's here. Christ is risen. But Monday's coming. <laughs> and all the problems and all the tensions and all the stresses of life meet us once we take the dress clothes off and we take down the flowered cross and the flowers have died and we put away everything on another Resurrection Sunday. 
We're familiar with anxiety and fear. They seem to be with us every day. There are wars, there are rumors of wars, and terrorist acts, and school shootings, and diseases that take away our loved ones, and it just seems like the world is falling apart sometimes. It seems like death reigns. Sometimes the bad news is so, so strong, we wonder, if, if, is there any good news? Well, here's something that Frederick Beekner, the writer and Presbyterian minister, said, and I'm going to send us off with this, okay? The proclamation of Easter Day is that all is well. And as Christians, we don't say this with some easy optimism as if we are people who have never known times when things weren't well. We don't say this as if we have never faced the cross. We don't say this as if we have never felt like being separated from God. But in the end, love is the victory. Death is not the end. The end is life. His life and our lives through him, in him. And this existence, this way of living, has greater depths of beauty, mystery, and benediction than the wildest visionary has ever dared to dream. Christ, our Lord, has risen. Let's pray. Alive and present God, who raised Jesus from the dead, move in our lives. Move in our lives so that his life will flow from ours. And may the same spirit who raised Jesus give life to all we say and all we do in all the places we try to live for you and that we do live for you. Through Christ, whose life is in us, we pray. Amen. Let's stand together.